Lord our God, we want to thank you for this good word of yours. The Lord, through your word, you intend to teach us, to instruct us, and so to shape us more and more to your heart. And then in that place, Lord, we leave changed. So our God, have our heart, have our mind in these moments. We desire to find more of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you were asked to select one word that would sort of describe your philosophy of life, to describe you, sort of the core, the essence of you, what word would you choose? That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? That's a tough one. What, what word, one word, would you choose? Well, uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I had invited some friends over to our home. My daughter, uh, Chelsea, at that time was five, six years old. And uh, these were good friends. They had a daughter that was about Chelsea's age, and their son was just a couple of months older than my son, Jacob. It was one of those kind of rainy, drizzly Seattle days. Familiar with a few of those uh, by any chance? And uh, we'd had them over. Uh, The kids had played inside most of the day. And then we'd fed them dinner in the kitchen, uh, and then they'd often gone into the rec room where we'd hoped that they would settle down and watch television or something while we could go over into the dining room and have our own dinner. And all seemed to be working according to plan until uh, suddenly we heard this loud bang. And then my daughter Chelsea yelling at the top of her lungs, Dang it! Well, that was a little odd, and it was just quiet. That was good. It didn't seem like we needed to get up and run into the other room and see what was going on. Somewhere along the road, we'd learned that doing that, by not running into the room, uh, we empowered our kids to be able to play together and play on their own. And playing on their own was a good thing because what we wanted to be doing is having adult conversation in the dining room. Bang! Dang it! This was getting a little distressing, especially coming from a four-year-old. Well, the whole thing... worked itself towards a crisis when Chelsea had somehow co-opted her friend now to join in us, now join uh, with her. Now both girls banging on something and yelling, dang it. Well, that was it. We all got up and left the table, went into the other room to find out what was going on. Chelsea, I said, what are you doing? There, the two girls were sitting in the middle of the floor, and she said, we're fixing, trying to fix it, Dad. And I looked, and here they had these toys that uh, had been in the toy chest but were clearly broken, and they were trying to press the two together, the parts together, uh, working themselves to a place of frustration where they'd bang on it and then yell, dang it. (laughs) Well, my wife then picked up the cue and said, Chelsea, where did you learn to say that? (laughs) And Chelsea looked up at my wife without hesitation and said, well, Mom, that's what daddies say when they bang on things. It always seems to come back, you know, to me. It could have been worse, though, I think. So that was a, a good thing. What one word would my daughter have chosen at that point in li- time in her life to, to capture her philosophy? Imitator. Children are always watching us and very quick to do the very kinds of things they see us doing. Imitator. What one word would you use to describe your philosophy of life? 
Well, President Paul Kagame of Rwanda was asked that question by an author who was doing a research project on various leaders around the world. And you know what his response was? He said, purpose. He said, we all have a purpose in life. And ours is trying to find the purpose that God has given us with the life that we have. Interesting. You know, this psalm is a psalm of purpose, Psalm 67. It is first and foremost a psalm about God's purpose, and then secondly, about our own. And interesting that when we discover God's purpose, we find our own. Well, looking at this psalm then, the psalm starts out with a blessing. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. It carries with it some of the themes that we've been hearing about as uh, we've been going through the summer sermon series on the Psalms. God's goodness, God's faithfulness, the assurance of his presence. Now, a blessing was often a statement of power that shaped a person's destiny. A blessing spoke of a future inheritance of of a generation or of a family. And so this was the case with this particular uh, blessing, that God had spoken this blessing to the nation Israel. And God, over hundreds of years, had done the very thing that he said he would do through this blessing. Israel had, had enjoyed a special relationship with this God. And through that relationship, God had blessed them in a way that they were a mighty nation. They'd become prosperous. They'd owned this incredible land. And the question is then, why? What was God's purpose? Not looking at it from Israel's perspective. From Israel's perspective is it that they were a chosen people and no other nation in the world could claim that. But what was God's purpose looking at it from God's perspective? One word. Worship. Worship. God longs for worship. Not just to be an individual mentor or a local presence, but to be internationally known, to be globally worshipped. Hear what the psalm says. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. That is worship. And all themes in Scripture point to this one mega theme of worship. Now think about that for a moment. If God's intention is that all human beings would come into lifelong relationship with Him and that they would give God their worship, then wouldn't it make sense that the entirety of the Scripture would point towards this one theme? And it turns out it does. Let me pull out a few of those themes. The theme of uh, of election. God elected or chose Israel for what purpose? That through this one nation, God would show his glory, his power, his might to the surrounding nations. The theme of, uh, of calling. God called Israel a royal priesthood. For what purpose? That they would fulfill the function of a, of a priesthood. That they would be the mediator between God and the nations. Passing on the blessings of God to the nations around them. And conversely, that they would intercede to God on behalf of the surrounding nations. How about the theme of deliverance? God delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt for what purpose? That they would be able to find a place of worship, to worship this one true God. 
and ultimately then build a temple, a significant space in which was set aside for the foreigner, for the alien, for the non-Jew to come and worship the one true God. And finally, the theme is salvation. Looking ahead to Revelation, the end of the book, there there are some gathered from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and there they are worshiping the Lamb in front of the throne, and they are singing, Salvation belongs to our God and unto the Lamb. All praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. The people of Ometepec, the people of Guatemala, the people in Chicago, all gathered together worshiping in front of the Lamb. God longs for global, worldwide, white-hot worship. Now, first we could wonder, why does God want worship? Why does God need all this worship? Is there, it's got to have a self-image problem, you know, sort of a self-esteem issue that God just sort of needs to be filled up with all of our worship. Maybe... Uh, it just seems like it's a little egocentric, doesn't it? The truth is, though, that worship isn't for God. It is ultimately for us. Worship is God's invitation to us to have a love encounter with Him. And in worship, God embraces us, lifts us up so that we can be in His sweet presence. Worship provides God the opportunity to demonstrate His love for us over and over and over again. And you know there is nothing more magnificent than being brought into the majesty of God's presence. God desires to bring us more into greatness. God desires to bring us in an honored nearness to Him. That's worship. And God desires this for the nations. Not that God would just be an individual mentor to us all, or that He would be a local presence in this place, but that God would be internationally famous Globally worshipped. That's God's primary purpose, to be globally worshipped. Well, the psalmist helps us a little bit further. Because the question could be, what does God hope to accomplish in all that worship? What is God's purpose in all of that worship? It turns out the psalmist tells us that through worship, we come to know God, we come to praise God, we come to enjoy God and to honor Him with our lives. So let's look at those four things real quickly, shall we? God wants worldwide worship, and He wants to lead us into those four experiences. The first is that God's purpose in worship is that He would be known. Verse 2 tells us this, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. The Hebrew word that is translated as know here is a word that implies intimacy. It implies relationship that God wants to be known in the context of a loving relationship with you and me, more so than God wants to be known just by memorizing certain facts about who God is. God is relational, and He always relates to His people relationally. You know, in the Scripture, Moses is at the burning bush, and there he encounters God, and he asks this question, Who are you, God? Now, God in that moment doesn't say, Moses, go back to seminary and take a refresher course. No. He describes himself to Moses in the context of a relationship. I am the God of Abram, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. God is the God who has revealed himself through relationship, and it turns out that's how we discover God. 
you know, we discover truth through relationship. That, that when we're in relationship with another person, truth is revealed, fallacy is set aside. When I entered into relationship with my wife, I got to know her in a deeper way than I ever had before, a greater way. And uh, fortunately, uh, my wife, uh, it, it, she didn't quite know me until uh, she'd entered into relationship. And by that time, it was too late. She couldn't get it back out again. <laughs> but the point is that in relationship, truth is revealed. God wants us to know the truth about himself, and worship is the place where he promises to do it. So what's God's intention in worship? First of all, that we would know him. But second, uh, that we would also praise him. God's purpose in worship is to be praised. Verses 3 and 5. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then in case we didn't get the message, verse 5, let all the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Praise is the language we use to describe what we know about God. And so when we praise God, we're simply repeating back to God the things that we know about Him. Now, uh, about two times a year, I teach a class on this particular subject. And about at this point, I like to stop the class and then ask the participants if they would describe some attributes about God's character or His name or His actions that they would just like to lift up and value God for. There's always that awkward silence, you know, that follows. People are kind of shuffling around, looking around, who's going to answer first? Some are thinking, but then it starts. One person will say, Mighty Counselor, another Prince of Peace, another Holy Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world, my Redeemer, all-powerful one, Merciful and compassionate Father, the great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, awesome God. You see what begins to happen? King of kings, Lord of lords. As we begin to praise God, He brings us, lifts us up into an honored nearness to Him. Praise is the language that we speak when we talk of God's immeasurable value. And it is the second purpose that God intends for worship. That we would know God first, that we would praise Him second. The third, that we would enjoy Him. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. I love this one. You know, worship isn't intended to be a somber exercise, but a joy-filled response to what God has shown us about Himself. So, in worship... It's okay to clap once in a while. Or maybe to say, Amen. Or to laugh. Or to smile. The point is to be authentic. Because if worship is a dynamic encounter with the living God, then we can expect to be fully engaged, mind, emotions, and heart. And then at some moment in our worship, God will elicit response from one of those. God is a God who is to be enjoyed. And when we worship God, He lets our joy loose. So known and praised and enjoyed and lastly honored. Verse 7, let all the ends of the earth fear Him. 
Now, the kind of fear that is being described here is not the fear where we're, we're afraid, you know, or we're afraid of some impending punishment or judgment. The fear that is being talked about in this particular passage is a fear that's a little unique to our culture. It speaks about honor and reverence. It speaks about lifting someone up into an extreme position of honor and reverence. That God is to be in that place because God is worthy. God deserves our best for all that He has shown us in worship. This is what God intends for us. Now, one summer, when I was, uh, well, in the fifth or sixth grade, uh, my mother had um, asked me if I would attend vacation Bible school. Now, I really wasn't big on the church at that point in time. I, I kind of knew a little bit about Jesus. I didn't really know Jesus, and I, I didn't really want to go to vacation Bible school. But uh, my mother just had that way, you know. And uh, before I knew it, I was signed up for vacation Bible school. I'm not sure what all happened at Vacation Bible School, but I remember this one part that we would sing. I liked singing. I liked singing with the other kids. And every day, we'd all get together in Fellowship Hall, and, uh, and then we would sing. About the third or fourth day, something profound began to happen to me. I, I realized that I was no longer just singing to, to hear my voice or to hear the music or to hear my voice in the middle of the music but rather I was singing to the Lord. And for the very first time in my life, I had an experience of God's holiness, God's mercy, God's presence as they ushered me in in worship. And suddenly the truth about what I was singing was becoming revealed in my heart. As I was singing about God's love, I was experiencing God's love. As I was singing about God's faithfulness, you know, the truth about His faithfulness was being revealed in my heart. It was a life-changing experience. I walked away from vacation Bible school forever changed. Never had I experienced a joy in my life like that. And you know, to this day, I found that worship does that for me. That if I'm to stay spiritually connected to God, if I'm to, to remain vital in my walk with the Lord, then I need to worship. And I'm not sure what place in the worship service it happened. It, it may not be the sermon where this happens. It may not be the music. It may not be the prayer. It may not be the liturgy. But at some point in that service, God grabs me and reveals just a little more of His truth and helps me to praise Him just a little bit more and gives me a deeper experience of His joy and then sends me off that I would honor Him just a little bit more with my life. You see, God in worship, worship isn't just, a, worship is an encounter with the living God. It, it's not about us filling God, but rather God filling us. Filling us with the knowledge that leads to praise. That gives us a deeper joy so that we can honor Him more in our lives. And when we discover this for ourselves, then we just we begin to realize just how much God wants this for all the nations of the world. Uh, I'm tempted to go on a little sidetrack. I'll just say this, and then I'll come back. But as you read the song, the end all is worldwide worship. And what's the result among the nations? Uh, friends, there's justice among the peoples of the world. And what's the result about the creation itself? My friends, the creation, the land, is able to yield its harvest in a way that feeds all the people. 
You see, worldwide worship first changes our relationship with God, then our relationship with one another, and lastly, our relationship with the creation itself. It sounds a little bit like heaven on earth, but that's exactly the point. That God is redeeming the created and redeeming the creation in order that it would look a lot like the way God originally intended it. There's a lot at stake, but that's the point. So here's where we've been. That that, uh, God's greater purpose is worship. And specifically that through worship that God would be known and praised, enjoyed and honored. And this leads me to my last point, that knowing God's greater purpose in the world these days helps us to discover our own sense of purpose. That, uh, that, you know, when we embrace the life of Christ in us, there is nothing that will give us a sense of significance or a sense of purpose like coming alongside of God and joining in this greater purpose. It's true. You know, Tracy and Lindy are uh, two members of our congregation who about a year and a half ago uh, just really sensed a longing in them to do something about the crisis in Africa. And so uh, I invited them to attend an AIDS seminar that dealt with uh, the pandemic and the crisis in Africa. Coming out of that experience, the two women pledged to pray. And so they met weekly and they prayed for Africa and for the people of Africa. God did the rest. God began to ask them to do something bigger. And they really weren't sure what that meant. What what does bigger mean? And so they put a little sign-up booth out in the narthex. They didn't even make an announcement on that day. But 25 people signed up. And a core group was formed. And this is what they did. They met together for a few months, the first few months, just to pray for Africa and the people of Africa and to begin to discern maybe where God was leading them as a group and to share their heart about what what God was showing them about Africa. Well... uh, they began, God, God started to move. And they began to make some contacts at various churches and agencies to find out who was in Africa. And uh, as they made these calls, they kept hearing this one message, that if you're going to get involved in Africa, then you have to get involved with Africa Evangelistic Enterprise. So after hearing that message a few times, uh, Tracy made a phone call to Africa Evangelistic Enterprise. And then she learned that uh, the country director for Rwanda Antoine Rutazeri was here in the U.S. Even better, he was in Gig Harbor. (laughs) So within 24 hours, Tracy had a face-to-face meeting with Antoine. Now it gets better. Turns out Antoine was good friends with Scott Dudley. And when Scott learned that we were meeting and talking with Antoine, he said, bring him here, bring him to the church. Well, that's a pretty good deal. God was on the move. Meanwhile, the team continued to meet and to pray for Africa and the people of Africa. Now, while preparing for Antoine's visit, Greg and Tracy began to um, invite some of the community leaders to attend uh, an evening celebration that we were having, an evening uh, kind of commemorative for Rwanda. And uh, along the way, they invited the uh, African Chamber of Commerce. Well, ultimately, nobody came from the chamber, but about a month later after the event, Tracy got a phone call from the African Chamber of Commerce. 
President Paul Kagame from Rwanda was coming out to Seattle. He was bringing the trade delegation, his entire trade delegation with him. And the delegation wanted to meet with business women and men from around the area to talk about business practice, to talk about business development, particularly as it related to Rwanda. They would like Tracy to set this up <laughs> and to speak to the delegation. Well, God was clearly leading the team to, to Rwanda, and so the prayer focus shifted to Rwanda and to the people of Rwanda. The prayer circle grew here at the church as others began praying for Rwanda. And during the last trip to Rwanda, God set up one amazing divine appointment after another as God cleared schedules and set up uh, appointments for Greg and Tracy with some of the top government leaders, top, top leaders in that country. They met with a trade minister, the minister to the president, the, the uh, secretary general, and, and actually got to shake hands with President Paul Kagame. If you see Greg, he's running around with his shirt that has a Paul Kagame right on there. He's turned into a fan. It was absolutely wonderful to see what God was doing, the doors that God was opening. And those meetings bore out opportunities to work alongside a top-level country officials and a Christian organization, Africa Evangelistic Enterprise. All this now, uh, recently, Tracy has felt the Lord leading her to form a, a new uh, NGO, a, a sort of a nonprofit organization called Rwanda Partners. Now, where is God going to go with this? I, I don't know. I sure would know what he says in his scripture. It all started, though, with a prayer. And it started when Tracy decided to step into, and Lindy and others around her, into God's greater purposes for the world. You see, when we embrace the life of Christ in us, then the only thing that will bring us lasting fulfillment and a sense of significance in life is when we join the purposes of God for the world that He loves so much. Knowing God's purposes helps us to find our own, and Tracy has discovered that for her own self. God may be leading you this morning into a place or to position or to a ministry where you're seeking a deeper sense of spiritual ambition or, or fulfillment for your soul. Purpose is too great a thing to miss out on. Purpose, it turns out, is especially uh, God's instrument for guiding and directing us in the things that God is doing in this world. Especially purpose is significant when it connects us to the worldwide purposes of God which is drawing people to worship so that they would know Him and praise Him, enjoy Him, and honor Him. May it be so. Let me pray for us here this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for the gift of worship, and we want to thank You, Lord God, for what You intend to do in worship. And so, Lord, we want to come to You as people who hunger and thirst for worship, for a deeper experience of You, Lord, that in these moments you would reveal just a deeper sense of your truth, that, that you would lift us up in a greater awareness of praise, that, that you would fill us with a, a different experience of joy, that, Lord, you would help us to honor you even more with your life, with our lives. And, Father, that we would, Lord, that we would want this for the nations. So, our God, we come before you, and we pray that you would use our lives for your greater purpose. 
And we pray this in the name of Jesus who lives. Amen.